Have you ever experienced pain during sex? And not the kind of pain that teeters on pleasure, but pain that makes sex uncomfortable or even unbearable. Tanya Coons joins us to answer all of our questions on painful sex this morning. We'll be asking why it happens and what you can do about it. Welcome, Tanya Coons, to FBI. Hey, Bridie. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. And you are away last week because you have broken your foot, but you've <laughs> made it in. And we are so grateful that you have it one week on. It was an epic journey this morning. <laughs> Trotting down Botany Road with crutches. Yes. <laughs> Here we are. Um, today we're going to be focusing on people who experience pain in their vaginas or vulvas. Yeah. Uh, we've already had someone text in on 0409 945 945, which is the number you can get in touch on if you have questions or stories you want to share. We're breaking down the stigma today Yay. and making it okay to talk about. This person says, hi, I had vulvodynia for eight years at the age of 28. I was unable to have sex without any pain. It was completely debilitating. After years and years of searching and hitting blanks, I have found two amazing experts that changed my life. That's um, that's such a, a an indicative of painful sex kind of message. Um, I have a colleague who did a PhD on women and painful sex, and she discovered that uh, women often don't get believed, can't find the right help, get told to just relax. So they've been to upwards of 18 professionals before they find somebody that can help and have often spent well over 20 grand in fees. Like it's just such a problem and people don't understand it and they don't understand all the nuances of things that can go wrong. Vulvodynia isn't something I've heard of, if I'm being completely honest. Yep. How common is it for people to have painful problems with their vaginas and vulvas during sex? Um, for vulvodynia or for all of the things? For all of the things. All of the things. Um, I read an article in the New York Times on the weekend that said 30% of women have pain when they have vaginal sex and 72% of them have pain at anal sex. And we can, we'll can we talk about that next week. But that can be a whole range of different things. It can be a whole range of different things. Vulvodynia is um, more unusual um, and that's it's a... It's a grouping of, of things that can go wrong. There can be spasms in the nerves. There can be pain around your vestibular entry. There's, there's a whole bunch of things. But, um, yeah, there are things like uh, you mentioned before, um, endometriosis. Uh, there's um, vaginismus. There's Sometimes people get pain just because they haven't allowed their body to warm up and uh, lubricate and swell up and get all nice and juicy before they're attempting intercourse. In fact, a lot of people, 22% of young women aged between 18 and 22 experience painful sex. And I think that is too high. That's more than one in five. Right. If my maths is correct. Yeah. And and I was reading up the other day for something that I was preparing on consent and I was just reading that there's a sort of paradigm in the Western world that sex is something that's endured. And I just, you know, being the pleasure activist that I am, thoroughly disagree with this. I think sex should never be painful unless that's your intention and that's not what we're talking about today. No, it's not. That's, a, that's another topic for another time. It is. Um, I've got a listener who submitted one of their stories to us anonymously. If you don't mind, I'll read it out to you. Yeah. I have been sexually active for 40 years. I am now 56 years young and still love good sex. There are certain aspects of sex that have always been painful to me as I have a vagina that is both narrow and short. If my lover wants to have hard sex or sex without breaks, after about five minutes, my vagina wall starts to hurt from the friction. It's an abrasive pain and it has nothing to do with lubrication. I also find longer penises irritate my cervix as the penis is hitting in on every thrust. My cervix eventually becomes too sensitive and it really hurts to the point where I have to stop. We, 
Is that a is that a common thing? The, yeah. the mismatch of size. Um, the, yeah, there's there's a number of issues in there all at once, right? So there's the mismatch of size, and um, there are for people who have short vaginas, there are things that you can do to manage the situation. You can put your hand or his hand around the penis to stop it going all the way in if it's going to sort of bang on the cervix and be uncomfortable, because quite a lot of women do not like their cervix being um, hit upon by a penis. And there, and we'll, I'll come back to that. There's reasons why, and there's there's timings for intercourse and that kind of hard pounding sex at the points, different points of female arousal. But um, as far as short vaginas go, there's also products that you can buy in um, chemists and sex shops that are like a gel donut that you put over the the penis that will prevent it from um, going in far. Right, so it just kind of blocks it. So, uh, and that that way you don't have to be thinking, "Am I in too far? What are we doing?" You can just go for it and do what you're doing, and the the gel donut will actually stop things from getting too far. Let's go back to what you're about to talk about, which is the different levels of arousal and when yeah. it's okay to get into that more sort of pounding, pounding sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think a lot, a lot, a lot of people don't know how women's bodies arouse, okay? Um, it takes uh, women's bodies on average 45 to 60 minutes to be fully aroused, right? And you can have sex before that. I think at 45 to 60 minutes, quite a lot of people are having a cup of tea and a chat. Yeah, it's a right? long time. It is a long time. But things are happening there. So we need a switch to go off in our head that's like, hey, yeah, I'm into this. This would be great. Because most people think that a vagina is like a little hole that's waiting for something to drop by for a visit, right? Um, but it's not. It's like a squash flat balloon most of the time. And a bunch of things need to happen to make it able to receive whatever's going in there, fingers, fist, penis, dildo, whatever, right? So um, we need to be doing foreplay. We need to be doing touching and kissing. In, in I think when people do what I call flick and twiddle foreplay, which is, you know, a little bit of a caressing of the breasts and touching of the vulva and they, they touch and they, they're touching to see if there's enough moisture for penetration generally because mm. I think a lot of people are in a hurry for P and V sex that's another issue and we'll, we'll cover that Is it our busy 21st century lifestyle do you think? <laughs> or just hurry to get to the good bits but for me that's kind of like rushing your meal to get to dessert you know, that take your time, enjoy the whole lot um, we have erectile tissues inside our bodies that need to swell up and do things, right? So the the walls of the vagina will start to lubricate. When you feel those, you know, when you feel a little bit of moisture on the outside of the vulva, that's a couple of drops of viscous fluid that are secreted by the Bartholin's glands. It does not mean that everything is ready on the inside. It means they're there to just coat the tip of whatever's going in. So then the, the vagina needs to sort of balloon out and sweat uh, and that's the lubrication. Um, around about the 15 minutes of foreplay mark, all your pelvic floor muscles drop down to make way for anything that's coming inside. Um, so that's a very useful piece of information. If they aren't dropped down, sex can be uncomfortable or even painful. How do you know when they've dropped down? I don't. Th I think most women... Research shows that 85% of women don't know when they're fully aroused. I think it's about taking the time and making sure that you're feeling okay. Um, often when you're very, very, very wet, not just a little bit. Um, after that, when we get very highly aroused, when we're sort of coming up closer to a more orgasmic time, there's a smooth muscle behind the uterus that gets very excited and pulls it back out of the way. And with it, it pulls the cervix back. That is the time that your body's engorged and juicy and ready to do hard pounding sex. So that's a fair way into the process. Yeah, it's not something that you want to start with. Do you think that a lot 
or most of painful sex experiences could be alleviated with proper foreplay or are they kind of different things? Um, I think a lot could be, yeah. I think I think a lot of women and a lot of men don't understand women's bodies or people with vulvas' bodies, you know. It's, it, it can be tricky. We have all this erectile tissue on the inside, so that's all swelling up, but people can't see that. Um, so our, our G-spot is basi- basically part of the clitoral system where we have these vestibular bulbs and they swell up and they push the walls of the vagina from the outside and where they contact is the, now the G-crest, we're calling it, not the G-spot, um, but where that pushes in. And that can ensure that everything's nice and tight and slippery and all of the ingredients that everybody's looking for for a good time with intercourse. I'm joined by Tanya Coons, our resident sexologist. We're going to go to a track now. And when we come back, we're going to be listening to a few more statements and tests testimonies from people who experience painful sex. This is Let's Talk About Sex. I'm joined by Tanya Coons, our resident sexologist, and we are talking about painful sex today. For vaginas and vulvas, next week we'll be talking about all of our uh, penis friends. Is that how you you describe them? Someone texting in saying it baffles me that doctors ignore painful sex. Mm. We're going to go to uh, a testimony now that somebody sent in some audio for us. Uh, so let's have a listen. I've not received a diagnosis because I have not sought one out. A lot of my painful sex problems, I really feel, come from my lack of libido, which is from an antidepressant I was on. But I talked to my doctor and I have switched to one. That will help me get my body in the mood before sex, so it's not so painful. Currently, I feel like painful sex is kind of putting a damper on my love and sex life, not because my partner isn't being understanding or patient, but because I want to have sex really bad, but I just feel like I can't because my brain's just not there. I've definitely put up with painful sex in the past because I thought that's how it was supposed to feel, and... I didn't understand when all my friends would say how many orgasms they had and how amazing it felt, and it made me feel very left out. So I kept having painful sex, just trying to hope that one day I would see that amazing orgasm, but that has not happened. I get around having painful sex by doing it more often, and that makes it so my body you know, gets used to it, and it's not so painful, and everything's nice and stretched out, and it does feel nice. Or I just masturbate, which, I mean, no one can do it like I can. So my question for Tanya would be, what do you do if you tell your partner what you like and he really tries to do it and it's usually what you like, but it's just not working and it just doesn't get you turned on enough to have sex? So that was our um, that was our anonymous submission, and I thank her very much for giving us her story. Tanya, yeah. do you have anything to say off the back of that? Wow, there's a there's, there's, a, a, lot. there's a lot of content in there. Yeah, um, let's come back to the enduring sex stuff because I think yeah. that's important. Yeah, why why do you think that people put up with it? We heard in that testimony that there was sort of a Uh, a desire to be normal. Yeah. Um, So many of the women that I meet who are having painful sex um, do that because they want to be normal, they want to be like their friends. Why isn't this happening for me? And more importantly, they're afraid that they're going to lose their partner. 
so many people. And so a lot of women put up with painful sex because they think they have to have sex to get the boyfriend or keep the boyfriend. We've had someone else write in saying, I have had anxiety attached to painful sex. I've had moments of crying to a partner because I had to stop in the middle and I was scared of them leaving me because I wasn't normal and at the time I couldn't give them a normal sex life. Yeah, and it's the... It's such so upsetting that that's what people worry about because intercourse is not the be-all and end-all. There are many, many pleasurable things that you can do that won't cause the pain that intercourse may be causing some people. So my, you know, you always introduce me as a pleasure activist. This is my, my spiel, which is focus on what feels nice. Let's not try and endure or put up with things that don't feel nice. And we, we also need to get our attitudes around this a little bit better. When I was doing a bit of research on the weekend, I came across an article in the New York Times that said that there's a really big difference between how men and women view bad sex and good sex. For men, bad sex, it's not as much fun and there might not be an orgasm. But for women, bad sex is pain or coercion or discomfort. And for men, good sex is um, fun and orgasms. And for women, good sex is the absence of pain. I think we really, really need to change those attitudes that good sex needs to be about pleasure for everybody and, and no pain. Absolutely. We had one more suggestion here, which is um, go to the doctor, don't rely on Google Doctor. That's right. Um, and if your doctor says just, you know, be, just relax, then find another doctor, find another doctor. Ring a sexologist. They often know about these things. You've no idea the amount of people who slump into a relieved heap on my sofa when I tell them, yes, I know what this is. It's a thing. It's real. The pain is real. And there are things that we can do about it. Um, coming back to the person who ran, uh, left our message uh, what to do when your partner isn't doing it for you despite instruction keep asking for what you want I think people can be very stuck in their own sexual scripts and they t- it's like the needle on the record going to the groove right so we need to keep saying no no could you do that a little bit you know faster or slower or softer or harder keep giving feedback because I think people think that they've used their biggest and loudest voice and they've probably asked very softly and very gently because it's hard to ask for the things that we want and uh, then we think if we've asked once that it should fix everything and it doesn't we need to be repetitive I remember asking my supervisor once when I was a baby sex therapist starting out how long do you have to ask your partner you know um, for things to change and she looked at me and said sometimes it can be up to 70 years and I was horrified (laughs) but going right okay so I think focusing on the pleasure is the way and and what makes you feel like pleasure what makes you feel like sex if there's a problem area please don't feel like you have to endure that to be connected with your partner there are plenty of delicious and yummy and orgasmic things that you can do that won't involve pain Thank you so much to my guest today, Tanya Coons from Surrey Hills Therapy, coming in and talking about sex with us, breaking down the stigma around painful sex in vaginas and vulvas. Thanks for having me, Bridie. Next week we focus on penises, so stick around for that if you can. It'll. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.